Welcome, book lovers, here for Book Circle Online. Uh, it's the series called Adapted, where we talk about books that have been turned to movies. And today's, uh, today's adaptation is The Jungle Book. That's right. So stay tuned as we dissect. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I have the wonderful Marissa Serafini joining me. Hello, Phil. We got a lot of great positive feedback for our first uh, adapted episode. That was The Invention of Hugo Cabaret, so definitely check that one out. Um, We've got certainly a lot more coming up, but nonetheless, this is the second episode. Very exciting. Yes, I'm really excited, and especially this is a story that so many people heard of, our generation, past generations, and I'm I'm glad that, you know, we're, we're revisiting this. In a sense. Yes. Uh, obviously, Disney is very much known for the movies that it has produced uh, and, and even TV shows based on the Jungle Book. But I can say, at least in my circle, um, mm. whether my, myself included uh, and the people that I know, don't know the source material. <laughs> no, not really. And admittedly, I, I knew the main story, but not the exact uh, way it it went, you know, because you always usually in adaptations things change, so it's nice to see like where it actually all came from. Yes, and you know, I, to be honest, I didn't really know much about it. Um, uh, Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard Book is sort of modeled after The Jungle Book. He sort of tried to model the various chapters, um, and so I kind of thought it was like that. And what I mean by that is in that book. Um, you know, there's still a storyline. It's random and whatnot, but there's still one character that lives in a graveyard. It's a child, and that's it's his journey. Uh, when I picked up the Jungle Book and got to chapter three, and we're talking about seals and, and other things, I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? How did we get here? No, I, I was the exact same way. I was going to ask you the same thing because, you know, we're so conditioned to just knowing the Jungle Book because that is arguably the most mainstream story out of all of them. And then once it changes to a drastically whole different story, I'm like, am I reading the same book? <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, which is to say we did not know that it was a series of, of short stories collected into one book. Yeah. And even so, I still thought, nonetheless, like, okay, these are just kind of mini stories about Mowgli. But Mowgli is one of many stories within the Jungle Book. Yeah, and the Jungle Book is like a more all-encompassing umbrella of a book. Absolutely. But before we, um, obviously, we're going to break down some of the storylines and things of that nature um, a little bit further. But first, uh, let's talk about how it sort of got started, who even wrote it. Um, you know, we just like the actual jungle book we have to go back to india in the 1800s so marissa give us a little bit of history yeah so the legendary rudyard kipling who most people know because of the jungle book and stuff but i didn't really know of him so learning more about him um you know makes me appreciate the story more he actually was born in bombay which is now called mumbai um in december 30th 1865 back in that time and you know he grew up and actually him and his family um, he was educated in England, so he moved a, a lot of times back and forth between England and, and India. And But he grew up with the culture and stuff. But when he was in school, he he was a... Um, he, he, he published articles and stuff for his... Um, 
for his school and uh, a lot of you know educational work and then as he went into college he he started his career as a journalist and um, for for years he held the post of assistant editor of the civil and military gazette as a journalist in 1882 and then from publishing those they became the plain tales from uh, from the hills um that's based on British work. And then, you know, he just kept writing more stuff. And then eventually he, he got married to Car- Caroline Ballastier. And he started a family in Vermont. So he moved from India to England to the States. So he became stateside and then grew up and, like, learned the American culture as well. But eventually, because of his home and his family and um, and health issues and stuff, he he moved back to England and then wrote more stories. Well, you know, one of the, certainly what sort of stands out is even in India, right, um, there's such a mix of different cultures. And so he was able to absorb those and obviously even just traveling, as you had mentioned, England um, and, and even America. He's He's been exposed to a lot in his life. There's that old quote, I don't know 100%, so I'm going to paraphrase, but um, uh, the world is like a book. Those who do not travel do not read. And so he's certainly traveled and, and whatnot. And um, and where I'm going with this, in a sense, it sort of informs the various characters um, in the Jungle Book because, you know, you could argue that the different um, the different animals represent sort of different cultures. Right. They even mm-hmm. ha- they, they have their own society, their, their own beliefs and so on and so forth. Uh, in general, they try to live in harmony or at least by uh, the law of the jungle, as obviously we're going to talk about a lot more. Um, and he was able to take those ideas and, and put them within nature. Yeah, and, and you can definitely tell the different culture styles and what is more um, politically correct in some um, societies than others compared to his American work, where like it, the writings when he was in America compared to when he was in India. And the the different social class systems, which we will get into um, later on, but I you can definitely tell like the different styles compared to where he was particularly at at that current time. Let me ask you this: uh, a lot of you know the, the the stories are meant to be lessons, um, you know, and, and the obviously the animals adopting um, you know character uh, human traits and so forth. Mm-hmm. However. Um, one of the things that I think often perhaps gets overlooked is this idea that it's um, it's a it's a viewpoint of man's relationship with nature. Yes, there's lessons to take away and apply just human uh, humans, but at the same time, I think there is that side how we interact with nature, and you know, I think in some sense we try to con- conquer nature versus just living in a symbiosis with it. Oh, like I agree, and I think that goes with the whole, you know, uh, the food chain and the chain of command in it because we as humans tend to be higher up in in that system. But that doesn't mean that we can't learn important, valuable lessons from an animal whom we might think is lower and more inferior to our race. And um, that's what I liked with all the different stories because there's different fables depending on – it doesn't matter what type of animal you're learning this from – it's still a wise lesson to learn from. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, speaking of the lessons, uh, so there's, there's, these are the chapters. Mowgli's Brothers, Cause Hunting, Tiger Tiger, White Seal, Ricky Tiki Tavi, uh, Tumai, and 
of the elephants and Her Majesty's servants. So seven in total. Um, and, you know, just based off of that, what, what were some of the lessons you took away from whatever chapter you want to pick? Well, I would... Um... I I would like to encompass the first three because they tend to deal with you know Mowgli, which everyone's more familiar with. But the the lessons of how you treat others, even if you are young, that doesn't mean you can't treat like your elders um, with the same respect that they should be treating you. And also, just because you don't like this certain class system or certain race, you still have to treat them in this in the same respect because they're still living in the same world that you are. Um, I, I liked those lessons that no matter who you are, you still have to treat others um, the same way. It's that golden rule. Treat others the way you would like to be treated. And then also uh, Ricky Ticky Tabby, I, I really loved because it was about this uh, this mongoose who, um, who you would think is the most unassuming small creature who's also nice and gentle, but also is very calculated and can... Uh, help protect a whole family. Um, yes. So, like, I, I really like that. Like, even the littlest things can save your life. Um, so it's 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 things that you don't really think of, but you, uh, you should know um, just, like, how to treat and protect and care for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed. Yeah, and, uh, you know, part of what the... You know, um, he has a background in poetry, and so there's a lot of poems that sort of set set up um, epigrams. They call it. Um, y- you know, they set up the, these various chapters and things like that. Which is why, when I do look at uh, the animated Disney uh, '60s version of this, that's why it has a lot of songs mm-hmm. for for me. Yeah, obviously, they were doing uh, you know even Snow White. They were doing these sort of musicals, but that's why this for me fit naturally into that because it had those poems and um obviously you're not going to get the bare necessities in the actual book <laughs> right but it, but their own take on you know that yeah and i think the thing with disney also is that because they changed characters to some are more villains and some are more you know uh allies and there, there's that clear distinction but some villains in the movies are actually allies in the book and i'm like i wonder why you always have to have the antagonist and protagonist um are you but, speaking about ka in yeah particular? we're talking about uh ka the the snake and i think also because snake the animal itself usually has an evil connotation so that kind of makes sense that they would make that a more villainous more mysterious type of creature in adaptations when we see on screen mm-hmm. um but reading it in in the book, I'm like, why did you change it? Because he is a character who helped try to save your life. Mm-hmm. And to change it to something so drastically who's now trying to kill you in adaptations, it, it just it baffles me why they make such three, you know, 180 um, degree changes on some characters. Um, well, you know, the, when we look at why this this book has been adapted in so many different ways, because it's... There's not really a full storyline. It's just kind of characters and ideas. Mm-hmm. You can interpret it any way you want. That's what makes it fun. Um, you know, I was most shocked in going going back to the idea of why you and I thought, wait, what's happening here? Is this a different book? Um, you know, we for the first part, we spend time with Mowgli, albeit it jumps around quite a lot. So you're yeah. like, wait, <laughs> did I miss something? And then we get the next one. We talk about a seal. Which is completely outside of the jungle, let alone of the story 
stories that we just read. And so I was completely taken aback. I was like, we're not in the jungle. Right. And it doesn't really, um, it's not really beneficial that the names are Russian. There are types of names that are hard for us Americans to read and remember. And so when you get invested in a long story, in so many stories with Mowgli and all these characters, and you built them up for so long, and then you completely change it to all these unpronounceable names to a whole different set of location, and uh, it it was such a drastic change, it was hard to read, honestly. I, let's talk about the actual um, uh, language of the book. Because when I read it, in some sense, like I look at you know the book I read, and this is one of the things you want to talk about, so we can talk about it. But um, it had a lot of illustrations and so forth. So, um, and it was in the children's section. But when I read that book, the obviously it's not like Shakespearean um, in, 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 in that vast of a difference. But the language is different than most of the novels I'm certainly used to reading. Mm-hmm. So it made it that much more difficult. And they say partly, you know, if you look at the science of reading you sort of get used to how you would formulate senses. And so, you know, the more you read, then you start to see various patterns. Right. Because the pattern was so different from my normal reading pattern, I had to actually look at the words and it slowed me down quite a lot. Um, and so I want to get your perspective on just sheer language. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really familiar with Rudyard Kipling's writing, honestly, and his style. But reading it, the first three stories wasn't that difficult for me when it came to Mowgli and that storyline. I understood the characters, and he developed the characters pretty um, straightforward to the point I could understand them. But in my particular book, there, there's a lot of poems and songs. Oh, there was... Yeah, yeah for everybody. But I had a difficult time because a lot of the poems were in different syntaxes, and some of the lines were broken up. It would be like five lines, or five words in the first line, three words in the second line so some felt like haikus and then the 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 patterns of the poems were just inconsistent Mm -hmm. and then sometimes reading it in the book it would say like in the description and then these animals sang a song and had a jubilation and then but later literally at the end of the story when the story wrapped up then they would give me the poem like this was the song that they were singing so it was out of order for me i was like oh this is the song they were singing when they said that they were singing the song so i had a hard time of understanding uh putting the poem into context of the actual timing of the the story yes um i i i completely understand Um, I also will say this, you know, um, and I'm not necessarily knocking it. I know it's just different, and um, but that's why this just kind of helps expose certainly you and I to, to these to different writing styles. Um, there was a lot of times where he would take his time on certain things and describe them and, and whatnot, and then within like the next paragraph, we would shift and we'd be, you know, um, like let's say just just miles ahead of action, and and, and everything would speed up. And I, I also felt like within the actual writing, I'd be like, did, did, wait, what did I miss? Right. Um, where it'd be like, okay, they, they were formulating a plan, so on and so forth, and he's fighting the tiger. Wait, what? And what happened? It, and it just happened. Um, no, I completely agree because I felt like they they tell you what's going to happen and then they jump to the actual end result. Um, I, in honesty, I had to reread Shere Khan's death because I was like, oh, wait, he got trampled. I, how did I miss that? Yes. And that's a big point in the actual story when the antagonist dies. You're like, oh, wait, he actually got trampled by 
Um, he, 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 sorry, he got trampled. Uh, by the uh, by the buffalo. Yeah, he, he got trampled by the buffalo. He's not in, and all the adaptations that we we've seen on screens and stuff. That's not usually how he dies. So when reading in the source, completely realizing that other animals actually killed him, missed it. Absolutely. Um. Let's talk about um, the law of the jungle because that's something that um, in obviously the, the Jungle Book, the book, but then also the various movies, if there's one thing that they've kept, it's always the law of the, the idea of the law of the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and why do you think that is? What, you know, um, obviously, yeah, why? I guess. I think it's also, it comes with just humanity and living. Um, in symbiosis with each other, like you like you said before, um, because you are essentially in a jungle with so many different types of animals. Some are predators, some are prey. But how do you live together in unity? And I think it's because of what, what's the great thing about the wolves is that they teach that. And then, you know, uh, Bagheera and Baloo also teach that as well. But But learning that you have to... Say so, like you have to show res- certain respect to these type of animals, and then but also you have to ad- adhere to this rule only for the monkeys. You know, so it's like for every different race, there are some regulations here and there that you have to like deal with. But in sense, if you keep to those guidelines, everyone will still like be humane to each other in a way, and not kill each other. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, I, I think, you know, it sort of reflects society, right, in that way. Um, and also, to that point, um, there's just natural conflict because not, as you said, the, the monkeys, they don't necessarily agree with it. They're the anarchists of the group. Yeah, they are. So, uh, you know, and and part of, one of the reasons why, you know, whether the movies, the TV shows, or, or even just the initial chapters why people are drawn to Mowgli is he's a fish out of water and uh, you know he to Shere Khan he represents there's that natural conflict like this is not you know he's not supposed to be here um we don't know what he's going to do and and that's where the battle starts to happen yeah uh, like Mowgli and the the villagers the people they they are the part of the the higher class society that you can say the higher up in the food chain who obviously can be the predators to their prey um, which is interesting because, like, there's always that that one fine line that Shere Khan was always after Mowgli. He always had it in for him, and you just wanted to know why. Is it because Shere Khan felt inferior, or um, like some adaptations show that it's because of the human population that Shere Khan's family and like why he was injured in X, Y, and Z. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that they that they still allowed Mowgli to live in that society for so long, mm-hmm. or, like, as long as he did without any harm. Um, I agree with you. Um, you know, uh, in terms of that, I think we can, for the most, and mind you, you and I have not seen every adaptation that has ever been created, but for the most part, right. the Mowgli storyline, Living with the Wolves, is in, and also with the law of the jungle is sort of a jumping off point for most people. Yeah, you, you know. Um, and but I also like that because it shows that just because you are two different types of races 
doesn't mean that you can't live with each other and work with each other mm-hmm. and learn from each other. Uh, you know, for the most part, the adaptations I have seen, um, pretty much everyone makes it into the story, um, with the exception of perhaps like Her Majesty's servants. Like we get the elephants, and, and um, but we don't obviously get horses and things like that. But we get mm-hmm. elephants. Um, we get Bagheera, we get Baloo, we get Ka, we get the monkeys, we get Shere Khan, we get Mowgli, we get the, the wolf pack. Um, we don't get Tabaki, or t- Tabaki, or however you, you pr- pronounce the jackal's name, who is more true. of a comic relief. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. We don't, we don't get, um, we don't get him, uh, who's in the book. He's basically like Shere Khan's assistant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we certainly don't get any of the seals. No, we don't. <laughs> I don't think there's, to my knowledge, and please, if if uh, if I'm incorrect, let us know. But to my knowledge, no one's really created um, a story. I know there is actually like a kid, a child animation of a white seal of the white seal story. I mm-hmm. haven't watched it, but it's about like 25 minutes long. So there is a animated version of that. It's just never been tied into the Jungle Book. It's part, you know, I'm yeah, sure it's just called the White part of Seal. The mainstream Jungle Book that we know of, and I wonder why is. Do you think it's because of all the the, the culture and the names? It, because it is more like Russian based or more of a a European type of maybe I culture mean, that we don't know. In, in I probably I mean I also just think from an American like there's so much to do with Mowgli that's of interest um and secondly like a seal it doesn't um it, it, it doesn't scream the jungle to me when I think of the jungle I think of trees not mm-hmm. you know water and, and arctic tundra yeah you think of like the Amazon or tropical um compared to Antarctica um like I agree with that too and also if you think about it, the white seal is a fairly darker kind of story I mean there are some dark moments in you know Mowgli's story but the the white seal is pretty dark because they're relocating just because the human population are literally skinning the animals I think that's pretty but the seals don't even care they're like yeah it happens every year yeah, yeah happens. Just... let's move <laughs> Um, so that's the interesting part. It's like one, you, you know, in terms of that setup, they find, you know, he finds out the horrors of things that are going on. He tries to tell everybody and they don't want to hear it. They don't care. Yeah. They're, they're very, you know, uh, non-compliant and just com- complacent with everything. Uh, I, I think there's not in, in essence, I don't think there's uh, enough meat to the white. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> that sounds, um, th- there's not enough s- padding to the white seal to actually have a full-on story to it if you know what i mean uh i mean certainly not in the context of everything else i think you know i think there's definitely someone out there who could just take that and run with it um you know because i think there is an awesome story there but i think it just unfortunately gets lost in everything else here uh you know even uh you know even just because like when you look at the jungle the fact that there's red flower and that's what people call it mm-hmm. um you know and that sort of stayed throughout the movies as well uh you know that in itself like there's just so much there that you can that you can run with that to to go off on a tangent and do the white seal um doesn't necessarily make sense speaking of the russians though um they have adapted the jungle book quite a lot um into short animated films 
Uh, let's see. I have a whole thing. Where to go? Um, one. It's all. It's all called. Uh, it's Mowgli something, and it's all in Russian, so I'm not going to read it. But one, two, three, four, five, six, six um, short films. Wow. Across uh, basically between uh, 1967 and uh, the 1970s. So, so it is a big story, um, also in their culture as well. I'd like to see one of them to see how vastly different it it may be, or it could be very much the same, just more in a Russian sense. but it, it, it seems like it, it's still very relevant in that culture. So I think so. Good for them. I mean, you know, it's just it, – there's just um, – in terms of why you would even want to adapt this, um, there's a sense of adventure. You know, the jungle's such a vast and unknown place to most uh, that it's just fun, you know? And I, I don't care what culture you're from. It, I don't know. It's exciting. Right. And I think also because a jungle is a place that, like, more things can flourish. I mean, you have trees. You have an animal kingdom. You have pretty flowers. It's like, there's so many things that are literally living in the jungle that are probably more aesthetically pleasing to the eye when you're watching it compared to maybe an Antarctica where it's very barren and everything's literally White. dead and cold. So it, it could be because... Mowgli's storyline is just a bitter visual filmic atmosphere to be in. And that's uh, that, that's actually a good point in thinking about it, right? Uh, there's a duality to it where there's the beauty, but at the same time it's so unknown that you could have a snake jump out at you from the tree that mm-hmm. w- that you were just looking at. And so it, it's... Um, yeah, it's it's... I would say there's equal weight of both, and that's what makes it exciting. And it's a it's also a coming of age story ultimately for Mowgli, Absolutely. which I think any culture, um, you know, they have their own various coming of age stories, and I think this one's fantastic. I think it's great too because yes, the story was written back in the eighteen hundreds, but it's still relevant, and I think that's why the the Jungle Book has stood the test of time because it is a timeless type of story. Um, you can read it now and still like learn the lessons of uh, treat others this way. And um, if you follow these these rules, you'll you know be successful in life. Um, I like that, and I think a lot of teenagers can relate to that growing up and how to treat your elders with respect. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree, and believe it or not, the first. Live act. Well, the first uh, movie adaptation of this was in 1942 by the Hungarians. So it wasn't Disney. It was the Hungarians. Um, and it was loosely based on the plot Tiger Tiger, which summarized it. That's when um, Mowgli and Shere Khan really uh, show down. You know, that's that's when Shere Khan is defeated in the the book. Yeah, and that's also. Um after Mowgli has been um, adopted by the human family. So, and, and I think Tiger Tiger is a good story to actually start off with because you have the mix of both the animal kingdom and the human population. One of the things we didn't talk about in, in terms of that um, and the book, um, I really appreciated the fact that he was kicked out by the wolves. And that the reason why in the book that he goes to um, the, the village is because he was, the wolves kicked him out. 
Um, they voted against him because of uh, talk politics, uh, too many Shere Khan followers. Mm-hmm. And so, but then he gets to the the village and they sort of take him in. Um, he reunites with his mother. And then through, you know, a series of, uh, of events, um, you know, the humans are just frightened why what Mowgli can do and kind of how he's brought about this danger of the animals towards the village and they're like we don't want you get out and so now he's been exiled from both yeah. and he's really an island of his own yeah and it's really sad because he I mean that's not his fault either because he, he can't really blame of how he grew up I mean he he was abandoned so he he doesn't he didn't really have a say of like how he was raised but it's, it's just sad that um, he's just this lost kid trying to find his place in the world and no one wants him. And I think a lot of people can relate to that too when you're trying to find your sense of self or like who do I belong with. It's more so maybe sometimes you just have to be on your own until you finally figure out where you belong. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you, uh, let's talk about Her Majesty's... Servants. Uh, yes. Because it's a very interesting story. Um, it's basically... Um, just animals you would think of like elephants, um, mules, mules, uh, horses, and so forth. And it's all just, the working animals. <laughs> yes, and they're just recounting sort of war stories and how they go about war, and it's it's really interesting, you know. And that's uh, to me, that's where really um, Kipling's cultures really come together because they each of the animals has their own way of sort of viewing war and and so forth, but. Um, at the end of the day, they all view it as a noble thing, and, and they try to do their job, obviously, um, very well, efficiently, right. or however you want to term it. I liked it. Um, I was actually, you know, I was reading this. I was like, this, it, are they plotting? Like, are they having a conversation maybe as a plot to overthrow, you know, the government that they're working for? But it was more so in a sense of, you know, people just pretty much having that bonding conversation of them ranting about their jobs and like what they do on a daily day basis they're talking to each other and then but also in, in a sense it was kind of like a, a group therapy session for them which yes I, I enjoyed but with a sense of patriotism yeah if i had to summarize it like they were proud of the work that they were doing um so it was it was, it was quite interesting that, you know um so i enjoyed it in that sense, um, what you know, apart from the Mowgli storyline, what was your favorite story? The White Seal, Ricky Tiki Tavi, the elephants, or the servants? Um, I'd have to say uh, I really enjoyed Ricky Tiki Tavi, also because I have a personal connection to that. Um, when I was a child, I actually used to watch the like this 1970s version, animated version of Ricky Tiki Tavi all the time. Mm-hmm. And then now reading it, and I'm like, oh, this is part of the Jungle Book, and I never knew that. And I've seen Ricky Tiki Tavi, I kid you not, probably 50 times as mm-hmm. a child growing up, and I actually rewatched it a few years ago, um, but never knowing it was actually part of the Jungle Book. And uh, but I always like the sense of like the small little creature who you don't think of as protecting a family. Um, I just enjoyed it, and it's, it's such a simple kind of one of those feel good kind of stories. <laughs> and I he, love feel good. <laughs> he certainly eats those cobras. That's yeah, for damn he does. Sure. But it was also it was really interesting, you know. Now reading the actual source, like just how calculated he was about killing the cobras, because mm-hmm. the the animated version doesn't really show him like thinking. He just knows that he has to take these cobras out, or else the cobras will kill the family. But reading it, 
actually shows step by step how Ricky Ticky Tabby like thought of oh I need to be in this location pounce on the cobra at this you know angle just so I can get like this type of grip on him I'm like it's very calculated that I didn't think would be going on in his head while Mm -hmm. he's fighting um, one interesting, for me, if I had to pick, I, I really enjoyed that one, but, um, I found also to my of the elephants, uh, interesting as well, because it's also about a boy, um, and sort of, you know, his life in the jungle, if you will. Um, they're, the elephants in Indian culture are, are very sacred, um, but nonetheless, you know, they gather elephants for the government, and so this is, uh, sort of him becoming a larger this is a this is a boy if you will becoming a larger than life character um by his actions and how he he handles and works with elephants and something that he's able to do um and so i i thought that was a very interesting story um and i think you know there could be something there for a film adaptation as well right i also like that um the the aspect that because a lot of people were like you can't be a a real you know whatever his position was until you see the elephants dance and um but i i liked it because the whole story was more so like he's he's working hard to prove himself and to prove to others that he is a legitimate worker um well like uh, uh one of the i'm sorry i forget the position that elephant he, hand let's yeah, call him i, I want to say wrangler but it's not really wrangler but uh, like more so the elephant handler yes um it's like he it's this sense of you know working hard to prove himself that he actually does belong there mm-hmm. so um all right let's shift gears now and talk about the adaptations one of the reasons we picked this book is because it's just been interpreted in so many different ways yes. even more so than i initially expected um, for for my money, I honestly, uh, I absolutely love the 1994 version, which is a live action version. Um, and the reason I love it is, it's sort of it's Mowgli, but then it's the first adaptation that I'm aware of where Mowgli gl- grows up, and so it really is him. You know, he goes back into um, society and tries to reacclimate himself, and you know, he realizes that's not for him, and and just the way that they're able to like. You know, he he obviously interacts with the animals, but the animals still remain very animal-like, like we know them today. Um, you know, King Louis, for example, you know, he finds, quote, Monkey City, and there's a, there's all the riches in the world there, um, which is the lost city. Again, something that ties back to this. Um, but, uh, you know, King Louis is clapping and happy because he knows there's a snake, and that's Ka, and so he has to wrestle with the snake just to get out. Anyway, um, I I absolutely love that one. Marissa, what are some of the ones you've seen and, and love? Well, I honestly, I haven't seen as many as I should, but um, there there was actually one that I watched. I, like, I kind of, it's, I watched it when I was a kid, and I remember loving it, but watching it again as an adult, it's actually kind of very unbearable to watch it's i feel it's one of those films that didn't age well it's the 1998 version of uh, the jungle book called mogul story that stars brandon baker mm-hmm. um but that one i think i loved it more as a kid because it appeals more to the child because it's the it's literally animals um but dubbed over in voices from from actors and they're giving more comedic lines they're like what are you doing you know like the 
just like they make the animals not as serious as they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, some are fun and some are, f- uh, and some are just like just there um, for like comic relief and it, but and then they change the like there is Shere Khan, but they give him a different type of story of why he's behind Mowgli and um, there's still that relationship between Baloo and Mowgli mm-hmm. in in a fun sense. But watching it again as an adult, it's it's very difficult to watch because it is so over the top ridiculous that's mostly geared towards a child would enjoy it and an adult wouldn't mm-hmm. um, but I, again I do have to you know give it to the 1967 animated version because that's what I grew up with that's what I love and knowing the source material and knowing how much they change it it kind of it hurts my heart a little bit knowing that so much is different but I do love the the songs. They they are iconic now, and um, but it makes me appreciate some of the the characters more. Like mm-hmm. Kat, I like more than I did because he was just a simple crazy type of mysterious snake. But now I like him more because I knowing that he was actually a good guy. Yeah, well, um, that one. I mean, in terms of what it did, similar. Uh, was the fact, like, if you, if you watch that movie, it's kind of a series of events. So it takes that idea, it takes Mowgli, and so we don't just get random short films within that, but we take Mowgli on a series of adventures through the jungle, and, you know, there's a beginning and an end, but the middle is just... Songs. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and, you know, I think, obviously, what, what, what people love about that is, uh, you know, the songs and just how fun... You know, just just that series, like, and it, and it's not too long. I mean, it's certainly less than an hour and a half. Yeah, um, I I think that the film, because that film ages so well as well, because of you know the the numbers and the musical, and you can watch it at any time of the year. It is timeless, and I I think because that was actually such a financial success for Disney, that also allowed them. And that opened the door for them to just do more adaptations of the Jungle Book because they knew it was such a hit. Mm-hmm. So everything else that will follow will probably a hit as well. Well, I certainly love uh, the cartoon Tailspin. Tailspin. So, so, you know, they took the character of Baloo and they made him an airplane pilot and Shere Khan. Um, he would, like They took all these characters and, uh, you know, created a whole different... It certainly wasn't the Jungle Book. <laughs> it was just... Um, you know, an animation of, uh, yeah, it's, it's as if, like, they were living in the real world, but just with animal characters instead of humans. Okay. I have not seen Tailspin. You should. It's uh, it's fun. Although, I haven't seen it in, like, forever, and so who knows how, how that aged. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about the 2016 version. Uh, Disney, you know... Uh, for those of you living under a rock, Disney's been <laughs> uh, taking their animated features and, and mm-hmm. uh, turning them to live action. Although I don't know how much you can call this a live action mo- version more so than a CGI version. Um, because apart from uh, the character of Mowgli, everything was pretty much CG. CGI. Um, I think they do. And we talked about it in, in depth with our Anatomy of a Movie discussion. So check discussion. that out. Yeah, Anatomy of a Movie on Popcorn Talk. Yes, we went in depth with that. Um, I think... The 2016 live adaptation was done so well because Shere Khan was intense 
scary and they um like there were so many moments me as an adult watching it i was getting like anxiety just watching him um they they really portrayed that villainous aspect of him to a t i think the the whole story with you know the wolves and the law of the jungle um really conveyed well also and i think the because yes you only had like one human actor and everything everything else was cgi it just made it on a bigger grander scale that it was visually it was gorgeous to look at and we we talked about the different sets and that you know then the practicals compared to the cgis that the actor actually had to use um i had to applaud that film because the feats that uh, they overcame making it were just amazing just to learn about that rather than also just watching it yeah and uh, you know one of the things though that um you know, you, you talked about Ka, but I think in terms of Baloo, um, what they've kind of really done is make him uh, more of a lazy, um, and goofy is not the right word, um, but sort of a, in my mind, let's say a lesser character, because in the book, he's this wise old bear that, that teaches the wolves. Like, he's mm-hmm. the he's the professor, uh, and certainly he, do, he teaches Mowgli things in... Um, and pretty much any version of this. However, they're not good things overall. No. <laughs> you know, he's very mischievous, just like Mowgli. Like, you would expect him to be more of an adult to teach Mowgli, because Mowgli's the child. Nope. But, um, so, so I would love to see an adaptation where Baloo is more of a... Regal. Uh, yeah. Type of character. And that's why, like, you know, in this one, uh, you know, the 2016 version, Baloo tricks Mowgli into just helping him get tons of honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think maybe it could be because, like, they're the big jumping point from the 1967 version. Baloo was that lovable bear, so you can't really change that format because, no, he's supposed to be a lovable bear. And why make him more serious when we already like him the way he is? And I, I, I can understand why new the newer adaptations still has him as that, that fun-loving thing that we already know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um and yeah, I, I love the 2016 version overall. I thought um, it was it was really well done. Um, you know, a change that they made was he, he stays in the jungle. Um, they're going to do sequels, right? We talked about this on Anatomy, but, you know, to, to my knowledge, you know, where we are with it, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure a particular sequel to that particular one. Um, that was directed by John Favreau, but I know there is an actual upcoming, another um, by live, Warner Brothers. Yeah, by Warner Brothers, uh, coming out in 2018, directed by Andy Serkis, that has like a big cast, um, a, A-list cast as of right now, um, you know, voicing characters and stuff. So it's going to be interesting seeing another version and how different that might be. Yeah, it's um, in Hollywood they call it twin movies. Now, usually twin movies, um, for ex- they have to be more closer together. But still, two years is pretty close enough. Pretty close. Um, so I'm very... I, I don't even know. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if... Because of what the 2016 version did, I'd be happy to go along and see more, um, for lack of a better term, episodes of you know those types those his adventures right so to see a completely new adaptation um i don't know if i'd want that i don't know if yeah i don't know if we need that right now especially just two years after this the 2016 one came out i think it might be too soon 
but we'll see. So yeah, we have we have that to look forward to. Um, you know, from from the various movies, um, and you can pick from any movie that you've seen. What's who do you think is the best portrayal of Mowgli? Not necessarily the actor, but you know, just just the movie itself. Oh, and I w- I would have to say the 2016 version. Um, I I think that actor did such a great job uh, as the the new Mowgli because he had the physicality down. He had the naivety of Mowgli at that age. He's still trying to learn, but he's still trying to help everybody. Um, and you can definitely see the the different class systems. Like uh, they try to keep him with the the animals, and they try to if you do this certain action, you're more human and that's like frowned upon. So I, I think he did a great job of like being, um, you know, in that, that small thin running, that small thin line of, you know, um, mm-hmm. being both like animal and human and living with everybody. And I, I think he, he did great. And there, there were moments where we were, we were following, literally following him throughout the jungle, throughout the whole thing. And you're rooting for him until the end. So, well, my money is on the 1994 version simply because, you know, that's when we get to see him kind of like a man. Um, and he has such a great line. He, he has a, He's um, upset over something. He says, I am not a man. I am an animal. <laughs> and so I just I, I, I really loved what they did there. So um, I like him. Baloo, your favorite Baloo. Ooh, I'd, well, I'd have to say the 1967 version because... He he's fun and loving, and but th- there were moments where you can he got serious, but he was still very loyal to to Mowgli at the end. So, uh, Baloo from Tailspin is my favorite Baloo because <laughs> he's lovable, uh, somewhat serious, and yet goofy all at the same time. Okay, um, Bagheera. I'd say Bagheera from the the new 2016 version because um, he was very straightforward. Uh, even Big Ear back in, like, the 1967 still had, you know, the comedic elements and, you know, it is an animated f- version. So I, I think the, the Big Ear in the new version was, like, as straightforward and as serious as Big Ear should have been. I mean, he was voiced by Ben Kingsley, so he's just, has, you know, there's uh, Morgan Freeman, but Ben Kingsley comes close with his voice tone. Right. Just uh, drifts with gravitas, you know. Yeah. Uh, King Louie. Mm. I'm not sure if I like either. <laughs> uh, the either there's so many options for I, King Louis. I know, but it's like I didn't like King Louis in the new version. I didn't like. Well, Granted, I'm not going to pick him. And yeah, I, I no. no offense to Christopher Walken, I thought that was the worst portrayal. Yeah, it was, of King Louis ever. Yeah, but also the King Louis. Granted, I've only seen like a few. Uh, you know, Jungle Book movies, so I have a limited amount to pick from. But the 1967 version was it's like he's just it's also a monkey just singing and you can't really take seriously well i like you know well it's a you know monk in the original book right um the monkeys never take anything that serious right the the the, Mm. remember uh paraphrasing but the whole idea was like oh we're the best in the jungle we're gonna make some changes and then they forego it because they have some fun and then they forget that what they were ever gonna do so there are a lot of talk and no action. And, uh, you know, I think King Louis and the monkeys have always been portrayed that way. But I agree with you. The 67 version um, 
for me is is a good portrayal of Louis. I will definitely not the 2016 version. Like if yeah. there's any version that <laughs> no no don't ever do that again. Uh, Ka. I love Ka from the book. Um, knowing that he was a, uh, a wise friend who also literally dropped everything he was doing to help save Mowgli from the monkeys. Like, that, that is someone you want to be on your side. To be fair, he had a lot to benefit. He basically got to eat all the monkeys. Yeah, but his motivation for going to help Mowgli, I appreciate. That he's hungry? Okay, fair enough. You and I sort of interpreted it a little bit differently in that respect. I, I saw it more so that he, he went to go help Mowgli, and you don't really expect that. Okay. Fair enough. Um, my favorite adaptation, you know, um, I would say the, you know, the, the call in the 2016 version really doesn't do much. I get it, Scarlett Johansson, but she doesn't. And then uh, in the 66. She gives exposition. <laughs> Yeah. Just the backstory, really. But, um, yeah, it's just it's just not very memorable, and especially because of Scarlett Johansson, I expected so much more. Um, the 67 version is just this hypnosis thing that, you know, yeah, maybe that comes in second for me, but um, the, the 94 version where it's a live snake, and it's kind of like the original because, um, what is it, 30 feet in the book? Mm-hmm, yeah. It's a so, huge book huge python yeah so in the 94 version it's a huge python as well now granted he moves fast like uh in in the book they make him seem a little bit lethargic or slower because of you know he's been eating too much yeah. <laughs> um, um whereas whereas in uh the 94 version you might as well be watching anaconda with this thing that's how they portray it <laughs> and um, that's a fun movie too <laughs> um sheer khan uh, I, I actually I love the 2016 version of Shere Khan because that is how terrifying that tiger should have been. I agree with you. I mean, it's, he's voiced by Idris Elba. Um, he's got that great raspiness to his voice, and he has a real reason to hate Mowgli. Like, hey, don't did you forget what humans can do? Yeah, and I think there were so many great moments for Shere Khan that they built up and showed you just how depraved that uh, depraved that this tiger is because he killed the you know like the the white wolf like you just threw him over the cliff it's like you can see how dark and evil this Shere Khan really is and like the extent of which he can go to and like how serious he is about getting taken out Mowgli like you believed him mm-hmm. you believe he's tracking you down he really wants to kill you um I think they did that so well in that I, I agree um your favorite portrayal of the wolves um, I love the wolves in 2016 version because they they were big and they were wise and they were gorgeous to look at. Granted, they're CG, but they really showed the dynamic of family. Yeah, and it was fun. You know, um, what I love, they brought in the element of of Mowgli sort of growing up and yet uh, or, or sort of staying the same while while everyone else around him grew up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he kind of kept getting disparaged in that way. Um, you know, one of the interesting elements... I would have loved if they were able to insert kind of Khan's uh, followers into that storyline, but you know I think that would have been just shoehorning something in. Um, but uh, I agree with you. I actually like them a lot. Yeah, uh, I I love the wolves. One more thing, sorry, um, is that because when you saw in, in the 2016 film when you saw they had to 
you know, exile Mowgli, you can tell that they were heartbroken. Like, and there was that whole shot where Mowgli's, like, hugging Akila, and, like, you know that they're breaking up a family. And even when Shere Khan was, like, around Akila and, like, all the baby cubs are there, you're worried for them. You're, you're actually worried about this wolf family, and I, I think they did a great job of showing it. Um, who are some of your other favorite characters um, from the adaptations? In not just Mowgli. I love Ricky Ticky. <laughs> Ricky Ticky Tabby. He's fun. Um, a mongoose. It's like, I remember being a kid, I was like, I remember telling my mom, I was like, I want a mongoose. And we didn't have, obviously, we couldn't have a mongoose, but I remember always wanting a mongoose. <laughs> Fair enough. I was like, I want a pet. <laughs> um, I, you know, what I, what I loved um, in in Tailspin, I liked how they interpreted the various characters. Again, it's not the Jungle Book at at all. It's just taking the characters and the names. Um, but in the 2016 version, what I loved was um, while you have the main characters uh, that that we've been discussing, you also have uh, other personalities as well, other creatures that aren't really characters that are just kind of there. Um, and yet they still say so much. Like, for example, right, uh, when they get to the water, there's the porcupine, and you kind of get his mm-hmm. personality. So I enjoyed just the addition of those animals, even though we don't really interact with them that much. Yeah. I also did like the, you know, um, the story of uh, Her Majesty's, you know, uh, servants, is that also you kind of got the sense of the elephants and the mules and, you know, all the horses, the, the working animals that... Unfortunately, we put them to like through so much work that we don't really take a moment to appreciate everything that they've actually done and have seen. Well, if, you know, uh, I think that in the in the sixty seven version, they kind of took that idea of pride and applied it specifically to the elephants, and that's why you have the marching and mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and they take such uh, reverence within that. Uh, so I appreciate that. I thought that worked really well. Um, all right. Anything else before we uh, start to wrap this up? Um, I'm I'm glad that we've read this. Granted, it was, honestly, it was not the easiest book to read um, out of the, the It's really not for a children's novel. You no, know, like not for the thousands of books I've read. I actually had a little bit hard, harder time to read this, but I appreciate the the moral lessons that came out from all of them. By the way, uh, if, if for some reason you haven't read the book, um, you know, because we're, we're, we always like to announce what we're going to read next, so, you know, please read along with us. But uh, if you haven't yet, do yourself a favor. So the book that Marissa got <laughs> right. is the Jungle Book, has the text, is very small, but um, I felt, she, I feel like she got robbed a little bit because Just a little bit. it's a, it's a, it's very much like a dense book versus the one I was able to read had illustrations and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm not saying you have to go out and buy it. You can get it at your local library. Uh, but I would highly recommend that versus just buying the plain text version. Um, it's not as fun. Right. And also, you know, uh, illustrations do help tell a story. And I think, honestly, like, I don't really mind books that don't have pictures. But I think pictures would have definitely... Uh, benefited me understanding the stories just a bit more because the syntax of the writing was so different that maybe I needed illustrations to help, like, maybe spoon feed me of what's happening. Fair enough. Um, Well, 
uh, as we round this out, um, please let us know your thoughts and opinions. What's your favorite adaptation of The Jungle Book? Have you read The Jungle Book? Are you planning to read The Jungle Book? Um, it, it has such a vast history that we want to hear from you. Um, that's why we're here doing it. We love both books. We love movies and the combination of therein is just an absolute joy to talk about. Um, we've actually got our next two planned out, so we can talk we about do. those. So our, our first one is... The Prestige. The next one is The Prestige by Christopher Priest. Um, also adapted it into the 2005 version by Christopher Nolan. That's right. Two Christophers coming together. Two Christophers. And I'm actually really excited because I I actually love the film of The Prestige, so I'm really excited to read the book. You know what's interesting? Um, you know, I had brought this up. The Prestige is one of my favorite movies of all time as well. Um, and Marissa and I chose to do this. I'd actually read The Prestige beforehand. And, uh, you know, we'll certainly talk about it. But this might be a case where the movie is better than the book. Interesting. We'll see. Okay. Um, and then after that, uh, we're going to do The Revenant. Yes. Um, so uh, I, it's, I, I haven't read the book. Um, I'm excited for that. Marissa hasn't seen the movie or read the book. Yeah, I haven't read or seen either. So. Um, I absolutely love the movie. Uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio finally got his Oscar for that movie. So that's something to look forward to. And then after that, I'll let, uh, you know, I, I've sort of been dictating a lot of the picks, so I'll let Marissa pick the next <laughs> few after that. Sounds good. Um, but anyway, th- there's your upcoming, you know, we'll do this once a month, so you have, let's say, uh, at least three weeks to read The Prestige. Um, and if you want to get ahead, you also know that the next one's going to be The Revenant, so um, watch the movies, read the books, and then check back in with us, because that's what we've got coming up. Yes. Um, and as mentioned, uh, if you want to hear our dissection of the Jungle Book 2016 version of uh, the movie, uh, Anatomy of Movie is the place to go. So search The Jungle Book, Anatomy of Movie. We go very much in-depth. So um, thank you guys for joining us. This has been an absolute pleasure. On behalf of at Serafini TV. That's right. At uh, Book Circle On. on. Uh, that's our Twitter handle. Um, we couldn't fit the whole thing. Uh, anyway, uh, check us out there. Uh, com is my website. And check out the other um, shows here on Book Circle Online in general. Tons and tons of great content. So um, bye for now. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.